Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much, Shaylee. As always, very powerful and moving. Um, I'm back, and I hope you guys are having a good Sunday. This is the second week of Advent, and uh, this morning, I want to jump into a lot of what Shaylee mentioned, but I want to talk about the human experience as a journey and our human experience and what this thing called life um, is and, and kind of talk about the idea of lack and the idea of wholeness and um, what worship really truly is, um, at least from the prophet Joel. So we're back with another prophet. We're back with Joel this morning. Um, and as Shaylee mentioned, there are many prophetic movements going on in the world today. And uh, I want to draw some lines between those movements and our own um, and also the, the prophetic movement in the Bible. So uh, yeah, the, the human experience is definitely a journey, right? It's an adventure. Uh, but as a fat hobbit once said, adventures are not all pony rides in May sunshine. Uh, an adventure is an adventure because there are twists, there are turns, there's ups and there's downs. Our, our lives all encompass this roller coaster like pattern. And Israel's experience is similar. They go from slave to free, from Egypt to Israel. They go from free to exile and then back again. Then they go from, a, from free to oppressed and then oppressed again, and then oppressed again, and then oppressed again. And then some guy from a small fishing village comes along, stirs things up a little bit, flips some, flips the script, flips the table, literally, changes the whole world in the process. Uh, but symbolically, and this is something I really love about scripture. Um, if, if you follow it from the beginning to the end, it's this, this journey, right, of this people going from free to oppressed to free to oppressed, from being the God's plan A to change the world to screwing that up and then, uh, you know, being thrown into exile because of it and then being, you know, and, and then being the answer to the world's problem again. And really, I like to look at Israel symbolically as the pattern of our own life, right? Because we, too, follow this same pattern. We have this idea, we have this, this, this flow of feeling like we have it all figured out, being able to help people out, and then kind of all the wheels fall off the bus again, and we have no idea who we are, what's going on. We, are, we feel trapped again. At least, at least me, I don't know about you. But um, I want to start off by reading... Um, a quote from a book that I love. It's from uh, the philosopher and theologian. His name's Peter Rollins. He, he's, a, he's a philosopher from Northern Ireland, and he wrote a book called The Divine Magician, and it's, the, it's called The Divine Mag Magician, The Dis Disappearance of Religion and the Discovery of Faith. And he says this, the point then is to help break the false distinction between the idea that there are those who are whole and those who have a lack. For the true distinction is between those who hide their lack under the fiction of wholeness and those who are able to embrace it. And Joel speaks 
about this this morning, this idea that true worship comes from the acknowledgement that we deep down, if we are to, to deep dig deep down into our heart, into the, the center of who we really are, there is a lack there. And those who truly embrace real worship are those who are honest about this lack. But a lot of worship becomes this fake show of wholeness that we have it figured out. And so we have this kind of um, counterfeit type of worship. And Joel is going to speak directly to that today. But I want to talk about that. Um, and just recently, uh, for my journey, for me, um, and I've shared this in the past uh, with, with you guys, but I recently got sober again. <laughs> I sobered up and like a hundred days ago, right? I stopped drinking again. And um, if, if you know my story, you know, I came from a background of addiction and homelessness, of heroin addiction and, and homelessness. And, and, and after 10 years of complete sobriety, I thought I could, you know, drink again. And I, I did. My wife and I had a conversation. It's kind of funny that we had this conversation. We we're like, yeah, you know, everything's been good. I think you could, you know, probably drink again. So I started drinking and don't worry, nothing terrible happened, right? I didn't end up homeless again. I didn't lose my job. I didn't go to jail or cheat or something crazy and scandalous. I know that's what you guys want to hear because that stuff's juicy and, and you know, we, we like juicy stuff. But what, what did happen is I realized I was completely powerless to addiction. After a year of drinking again, I, I felt completely enslaved to this substance. I was depressed and lonely and I felt like there was no way I could escape again from this slavery of addiction. And that was literally my daily prayer. I would pray, please help get me out of here. I need, I need freedom from this. And, and I, I had once experienced this radical miracle from addiction. Um, I don't know if you guys know anything about a heroin addiction, but I, the statistic goes that um, within the first five years of sobriety from opiates, you are have a 99.5% chance of relapse. And I went 10 years without relapsing on opiates. But I was really scared because I had this miraculous um, experience from addiction to freedom before. And I was like, there's no way that that's going to happen again, right? And what scared me the most was it was this miracle that had happened in my life. And, 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 and I know how rare those things are. And I thought, there's no way, there's no way out of this. There's no way out of this oppression that I feel, this depression, this, 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 this boundlessness to the substance that I can't kick. And I needed some sort of divine intervention. And I know how rare those are. So I was, I was scared. So I would say these prayers every day. I would beg the, for change. That's, that's how trapped I felt, right? But it's been 110 days now. And there's no other way to explain how it happened. And today's text deals with this type of repentance, I guess, and, and miracle situation, transformation. Um, and this week's reading is from Joel chapter two. So if you guys have Bibles, you guys can open up to the text this morning. We're going to kind of jump around. I'm going to start in the first one, and then we'll eventually get to the second section of the text this morning. But before I read the first text, um, let us pray. 
Jesus, I thank you for your power and your mystery of being able to work through our lives in deep and dark and um, really scary moments and pull us out of those areas. I also thank you for the joy that you bring to us, that life is up and down and really the up is, is really enjoyable because we do have darker moments, harder moments. And so I thank you for the journey of life, the good and the bad. And may you open our hearts up this morning that we may truly be honest with you where we're at in worship and that your spirit may invade us and lead us into a season of joy because of the reality that we have opened up to you, that the, the truth and honesty that we've opened up to you this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this is Joel chapter two, um, and we're just going to read verse 12 and 13. It says this, yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he, he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relents from punishing so all good words, all good words. Um, what's going on here? So Israel had probably just come out of exile at the point when this book was written, right? Or, you know, that the story takes place. And in chapter one, they are plagued again with locusts and other environmental disasters. And for the first time in our lifetime, we as, as Americans, as Westerners who, who live very privileged lives can finally relate just a little bit to what it looks like to live through hardships communally like we see here in scripture, right? We're going through something as a community that we can identify with a little bit with what Israel keeps facing. And Israel's experience, they're experiencing all this stuff. And the book of Joel is written like poetry. And chapter one talks about the devastation and plague, plagues of locusts. And the, the swarm of locusts is a reference of, uh, to Egypt. But this time, Israel is the one who faces the plague. So they are now called to repentance. And usually it's because Israel forgets who they are and forgets that they were once slaves and they start oppressing other people and not treating the, the, the foreigner well. And, 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 and this story is a story that we see played out today, all over in our own country. And uh, chapter one talks about this devastation of plagues, right? But chapter two speaks of the future. It speaks of what the day of the Lord, and that's a big term in Joel, the day of the Lord looks like in the future. And he begins to describe this imagery of locusts, but this time it's more the, of this cosmic imagery, and it includes imagery of God's army marching um, and, and the sun is darkened and the earthquakes. And Joel says, the day of the Lord is dreadful. Who can ever bear it? So once again, Joel calls on the people to repent. And he says, how? How they should repent. And he says, to rend your hearts, not like your garments, and to return to your God. In other words, he knows that repentance can be a show, can be a show to rend your garments, is that reference. 
It, it, it can be something we pretend we want and we say we want, but in reality, we're not really willing to do it, to do the work, to go deep within and then take the action to change. How many times have we said we wanted to change, but we really didn't mean it? I know I do it all the time. And Joel focuses on the heart, the heart, the heart. And if you want real change, it must come from somewhere deep down, deep within. And this is, this is what I want to focus on this morning, the heart. What does Joel mean by the heart? Well, the heart in the Hebrew thought is not like it is in our modern Northern American context. When we think about heart, we think feelings, and that's good. That's part of it. But the Hebrew word for heart, what what does that mean? It's not just feelings, as we in our Western Hallmark Eyes culture might assume. In the Hebrew meaning, heart implies determination. It implies purpose or courage that's, that's welling in the depths of who we are. In other words, the, the original meaning better relates to the first invitation in verse 12. Your weeping and your lamentations are welcome. Even if you have nothing else to bring, that would be more than enough. You, do not, you don't need to feel happy or, or, or better to uh, courageously rend your hearts to God. Even in sorrow, we are invited in this text to sincerely commit to following God rather than anyone or anything else. Where our heart pledges allegiance impacts our actions, our worship in the truest sense in the world. So return, return your pledge to God by going in the depths of our heart and being honest with where we're at. This is also true for any type of change in our lives. It takes heart in the Hebrew sense. It must come from somewhere deep within. If you want to change, you must repent. And true repentance comes from the heart. To repent in the Hebrew context really means to find your way again. It's like getting lost in the woods. Has anyone ever been hiking and somehow decided to go off the trail and you're like, oh shoot, I don't know where I came from. I don't know where the trail is. That's a really scary feeling, all right? I've done it once, I regret it. And after hours and hours and hours and hours of searching, finally it's almost dark and you pop out of the woods and there's the trail again. That's repentance. It's like you lost your way and then you find it again, but you didn't give up. You gave it all of your heart and boom, you found it. That's repentance. It's not like some weird, sad, sappy, religious terminology. It's actually a celebration that you found your way again. You found the path again, but it must come from deep down. It must come from the heart. So back to Israel. And again, symbolically, the people of Israel are really a metaphor for our own human experience, our own journey. If the people respond to Joel's call to return to God and rend their hearts in worship, they will be rewarded not necessarily with avoiding the day of the Lord, but with the endurance to persist 
through the day of the Lord. And ultimately, all of Judah will also receive God's spirit in the flesh, not just the temple priests and those ordinary uh, or, or, or those who are ordained associated with the holy connection to God, but all flesh, all people will get this reward. So if we skip ahead, verse 28 to 29 text, as God speaks again in the first person about the reward for returning to God and rending their hearts to God, he says this, if you return, turn to God with your whole heart. Not just the happy parts, but the weeping part. Fasting from whatever keeps you from connecting, mourning honestly what is to be mourned. Then I, God, will pour my spirit on all people. So you see here what it looks like to worship, which is so funny because if you look at most churches, and this, I mean, there's, there's places and spaces for joy, but ultimately worship spaces for a lot of uh, churches are these like all out celebrations. And we have a lot to celebrate about, but here in the text, it talks about mourning and weeping, being part of this deeper um, reality of, of, of diving into our heart and, and letting that out to God. And it's in those spaces where the spirit can really come in and do that transformative work. I know for me that that, that is exactly what has happened in my life. When I have embraced real change, when I've truly found my path again, just 110 days ago, I, 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 every single time I was praying and saying, God, help me out of this addiction, I probably didn't really mean it. I probably wanted to drink again, but there came a point where truly I was ready and I was honest and I went into the inner workings of my heart and I, I revealed that to God and that's where that transformation can come in. Now, this isn't um, like as Peter Rollins talks about, it's not admitting, you know, that, that um, I found the solution. It's really the opposite. It's embracing the reality that there is a lack within me that probably is never going to go away. And to have the courage to be and embrace that lack. Right? To have the courage that this lack is, is human and it's okay. I don't need to seek wholeness and fullness in order to be human. I can have lack. And that's where the spirit of courage can work in my life. And I can embrace the reality of my issues and problems and move forward. But often we approach worship from a place of positivity. That if I were to approach God with sadness or grief or regret or weeping, then the spirit will not fall upon me. And Christmas is coming up, right? And Christmas is a time where there is a lot of holly, jolly, hopeful stuff. And that stuff's great. I love Christmas. It's so much fun. But there's still so much room for grief, for regret, for shame, for weeping, for all of those real human emotions and feelings that we all embrace every single day. And that's part of worship too. Worship isn't just about gratitude. Worship isn't just about, about being hopeful and full of joy. Worship is about being real. Don't be fooled by all the songs 
of joy and all of the bright lights during Christmas. To mourn is, is worship sincerely, even during the season of Advent. Some churches actually historically have held space for a long time um, for this um, for this type of worship. They, they, they have done this. They call it Blue Christmas or the longest night service. And it's sometime around the winter solstice when the year is the darkest, when the days are the darkest, right? But consider it a gift that the narrative lectionary that we're in today creates space through Joel to hold weeping and worship at the beginning of Advent. Because we are a grieving people. We are a weeping people because we're human. And we're not sure how to return to God without our sanctuaries or our past patterns for worship. But lament is welcome before God. Lament is holy. Lament is real. Lament leads to the Spirit's transformative work in powerful ways. So hear the good news. The gift God wants from us is our whole heart. And the gift of God's spirit will not be withheld until that heart is no longer broken. No, she arrives and binds up our wounds, replaces our doom with visions of what could be, and helps us to hear one another into being the building of the kingdom of God. To weep is human and part of the the experience of life. And it is in those deep moments where we reach into the depths of our heart and we truly repent and where we truly meet the transformative work of the spirit. Every time I got sober, that was the process. I would wake up and say I wanted a change, but it wasn't from the heart. It wasn't until I was truly ready, until I had reached the depths of my heart that I could repent and be filled with the spirit. And so is the same with all humans. So is the same with you and me and and every person. It starts with honesty going to the depths of our heart. So this is the start of, of Advent in the tradition of Christmas. It is, yes, a season filled with light, but centered around also the darkest part of the winter solstice, right? Which I I love that symbolically. Christmas is dark, but also filled with light because we need darkness as much as we need light. We need the darkness for the light to shine brighter. We need both. So come to God this morning in worship with honesty with tears and mourning, if you need to, with fighting words and anger, if you have to, with joy, if that's where you're at, or whatever it may be, trusting that we as people are all part of this experience we call life. We don't need to fake anything. We don't need to pretend. We know each other well in this space. And even if you don't, all humans experience these emotions and it's through the reality that we as humans embrace these feelings and emotions every single day and now we know from the word of god as it says that if we reveal that in honesty if we go to the place of our heart in the inner workings of our being and we are honest and open 
that that is a true experience of worship, a true expression of worship. And that's where the spirit of God moves the most powerfully. So I ask you all this morning to take a moment to go to the depths of your heart, to find that place of determination, the, de the place of power within, and to be honest and open with where you're at today, with everything that's going on in the world today, with the political movements, with the, the prophets, with, with COVID, with the massive amount of people who are losing loved ones. There's so much to mourn and so much to celebrate. So may you be a part of the human experience this morning. May you seek the depths of your heart and open up to what God wants to do inside of you so you can participate in his kingdom as agents of light. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much again for your word that is so revealing of the human experience. A lot of times we miss that, but as we see in Joel, it encompasses all parts of the human journey. You let us come to you in honesty and in truth. You make space for all types of attitudes, behaviors, feelings. And so, Father, we trust you with our hearts this morning in worship. And we thank you for your spirit's powerful work in the depths of who we are. Teach us to be faithful to the work that you're doing in this world. And may we shine as a light, even when things seem very dark outside. Thank you for using us. Thank you for moving within this community and the blessing that light shine church is. It's in Jesus name I pray.